Can we sign off on this? He wants veto right over any Roy family member ever taking over as CEO. The TV show Succession caught the attention of millions. The head of a huge international media conglomerate might step down and might not. There's no succession plan. But what about succession in a small family business? One of my parents believe that businesses and generational wealth and growth should come from family. What about that New York family, which has been in the restaurant business for three years? One of the kids comes to the hotel school at BU. The other kid goes to the hotel school in Cornell. And then they decide that to go off on their own and start their own brand. In my definition, they're still in the family business and they're Gen 4 Plus. This is the language of business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs. Anyone thinking about a startup or a business pivot, hear from experts who've been there and done that. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller. Harvard MBA, and Senior Lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. This is part two of our look at family business succession. Not succession in a huge conglomerate like the TV series, but succession in a small international family business. Then we'll hear from a BU professor who teaches family business values. Here's Greg Stoller. Don, thank you. Being the child of a family business brings with it lots of pressure. The children might want to pursue their own path, but on the other hand, not let down their parents. The parents, of course, want to see the business continue and would love to have that pass on to a family member. How do you handle that tension? We're on location in Los Angeles with Tia Kasuma, who is studying in the Boston University New Media Ventures program, and welcome to the Language of Business. Hi, thank you so much for your time. Very honored to be here. So tell us about your family business. Right. Both of my parents actually established a hospitality business in Indonesia. We are moving on event management, hotel, and also hospitality management and services. And how old is the business? The business is actually quite young. It's seven years old. We call it Moritz Corporation. Okay. And your parents started this as part of their life's work? Or did they come up with a crazy idea, say, eight or nine years ago? Oh, my dad has been on his hospitality for more than 40 years. I think his entire life is hospitality. My mother is also have been doing event and tenant management for most of her career. So one day they just decided maybe it's the time for us to actually make our own. And here we are. And I'm sure they're involved with that business 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Exactly. If there's 80, 80 hours a day, probably 80 a day. <laughs> Now, what are your feelings? Are you as excited about the prospects of maybe joining them someday? Or is it something your parents do and you're doing your own thing in LA? I'm actually doing my own thing right now in LA. So both of my parents are on hospitality. My sister is too on hospitality. I'm one of the part of the family that's doing a little bit more different. That's why I'm doing media venture here. Most of my career is in media. And I found out about this program a while back and I decided to do maybe I should do my own thing. And here I am. And what's going to happen after you graduate with respect to your family? Mm, we're still deciding on it. Um, both of my parents do hope that I can be a part of the business as well. They have some plans for me on how I can take part of the whole um, corporations, but 
I'm still also deciding which part of it that actually can fit into my goal and my motivation. And would you consider doing that part-time or full-time or is there perhaps another option entirely? I'm actually already doing it part-time right now, even uh, in the side. So most of the design that Moritz, my family corporation, is actually part of it's also my design. Our core business models, the entire corporation of identity is actually uh, what I made back in the dimes. And they're still using the same logo until now. But how do you have time to keep all of the balls in the air? You're a full-time student. You're also working on your thesis. When you say part-time, what does that mean in reality? So part-time is just um, I provide some advice into mostly the design part of it. The look of the logo, the colors, and my father is actually also quite a quite a big fan of my artwork. So some of the things that I made and commissioned, he actually commissioned me to draw. That's what I do part-time. So mostly it's still doable with everything that I'm doing right now in LA too. And what is your thesis on? Very exciting. As I mentioned, both of my parents are very hardworking parents. Never in my life that I see them not working. Even until now, it's, this is probably the longest that they are not working, which is 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with, with knowing that they are working very, very hard for me. But sometimes as a kid, I know that I wanted to have more time with them. And my thesis program is actually a product where working parents can extend further into like engaging with their children. So I call it Buya. This is an Indonesian acronym of Ibu dan Ayah. Okay. It's mother and father. It's an app that can archive parents' voices. So the parents can deliver their love and support through voices that can archive forever. So this is very interesting. You're talking about family dynamics which might or might not intersect with the actual business at hand. Yeah, that's true. My father, my mother both are very heavy in family. For them, family is number one and the ultimate things that we are living for. And this is also the reason why Morris Corporation existed. It's because both of my parents believe that businesses and generational wealth and growth should come from family. I think for me to create something that is like very family oriented, also to like increase connection and engagement with within family, it's quite similar, but it's just a different perspective. We're also lucky enough to be joined by your mom, Henny Kusuma. Let's get to her and ask her a couple of questions. Yeah, sure. Mrs. Kusuma, welcome and thank you for joining us. How do you define success for your business? Success kerja keras, passion, dan memberikan kontribusi untuk orang banyak. She mentioned that success for her is hard work. Okay. Doing something that you're passionate about and making sure that what you make is actually contributing to a lot of people. What is your proudest achievement so far? My proudest achievement so far, my daughter is happy to go to study in United States. That's wonderful to hear. And with respect to your business, what has been your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge was these last two years because we're going to service COVID-19 in our country. 
We managed a quarantine building for 10 hours in Jakarta. That's our biggest achievement for our business. I can elaborate more on that. Please do. That would be great. The company that we're working on, actually, it's a part of a contractor hired by the government to maintain and service 10 apartment towers as a part of the quarantine location for international flight that comes in and international tourists that come into Indonesia and Indonesian citizens that come back to Indonesia. Because in Indonesia, we still have to do quarantine. Um, right now, it's seven days. And there's an appointed place for that. And our corporation handle those sites. There's 10 towers. Mr. and Mrs. Kasuma, how important is it to only have family members involved in your business? We start this business seven years ago. We hope that this business will run forever. That's why the family should come to the business, so the business will be long forever. That's wonderful. Tia, Henny, Imba, thank you so much for joining us today on The Language of Business. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Next up, we hear from a BU professor who teaches family business values when The Language of Business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. The curriculum at Questrom's really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Questrom School of Business and, like I said, be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash Westrom. You're listening to The Language of Business and part two of our look at family business succession. Now we hear from a professor at BU Questrom School of Business who teaches family business values. Back to Greg Stoller. Don, thank you. It's one thing to run a family business, but how do you teach those concepts in an academic setting? We're on location at Boston University Questrom School of Business with lecturer Patrick Abushalash, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you, Greg. Good morning. It's good to be with you. How do you teach family business best practices in a four-walled classroom? I love to cook. I'm going to use a fun analogy of recipes and tools and different environments, and your water changes on a daily level. But I think it's a culmination of, you know, we want our students to learn in a real life experience. So how do you get real life? You get a team that's been around family business since I was five years old, seven years old. Here I am, four decades later, three continents, I've worked in so many different environments, but it's not just about me. It's about my colleagues in the strategy and innovation department at Com and in other schools around BU. It's about staff. Let's not forget our students and their parents and other alumni in that same way. But let's take that applied setting and let's add interdisciplinary to that. What do we start? What do we think of historical consciousness, global citizenship, intercultural literacy? What else? Critical thinking. Now let's get a little bit more on this. Our students. It's so important to get the right definition straight from day one. Accessible. 
Some are from family businesses. Others are first-generation immigrants who are going to start their own startup, and they might have their own family business 10, 20 years after graduation. But within that itself, we want to get them out there. So what happens? First thing of all, you know, as we look at values and purposes and frameworks and toolkits and group projects, we get them out there. For example, early on in one of my classes, the first governance document that I asked them to draft is their family constitution. Very cool. Then we talk about diversity. It's all around that. But I, I constantly mix and match them in different groups. And for their midterm project, I asked them to go out there and identify a family business that looks the farthest different, not from them, but themselves and three other classmates, and to come back and share with us key findings, challenges, then opportunities. So within the vein of opportunities, what trends are you seeing right now? I like to call trends sometimes a function of millennia, depending on where you are in the world. But let me generalize on a global level. First and foremost is ESG, what I like to call doing good and doing well, what one of my Gen 2 family business students calls people strategy. And within that, for a lot of family businesses, whether you're generation one and a half or you're generation 10 plus, it's being conscious at all levels of the family on every decision, on every internal and external employee or stakeholder, upstream, downstream communities, on the impact of every action, decision, word, behavior, and you have to behave for all adults as it relates to one or more operating businesses, investment decisions, not only at the opco level, but maybe at the family office, the family foundation, and let's not forget about philanthropic. And for families, it's all the three. And equally, the next gens are even more involved as we look at millennials and Gen Zs. So let's talk about that behavior for a second. Is that differing based on regions in the United States or regions of the world? It definitely is. I am Lebanese, Italian, New Yorker, and now Bostonian. <laughs> and if I were to look at this you know, in terms of family business, it's a young academic subject. It only started about 40 years or so. But similar to private equity, similar to a lot of industrial revolutions, they tend to start in the West and in the Americas. And those tend to be your examples. Let me use, for example, on that, you know, ESG. ESG, sometimes from a family business in my lifetime, whether it's theory and or practice and implementation, let's go up to a small journey to Scandinavia and then make our way to Western Europe and then more nascent adoption in the United States and then the diffusion in other parts of the world. Let's look at governance and succession in the same way. I'm not a lawyer, but I've worked with a lot of lawyers. I have a lot of family lawyers that I live with or work with back in the day in my own family business and outside. Equally, the ability to be a little bit more systematic or explicit or put things in paper, the seeds tend to be in Europe and the Americas and then they diffuse to other cultures. But let me share with you an example of one of my Asian American students, Malaysian, but originally of Chinese descent. After a governance class, he asked me kindly, Professor, do you have five minutes? And he's like, Professor, I realize that you're not an advisor or a lawyer, but in my family and multiple generations, both back in Penang and here in the greater Boston suburbs, it's still trust implicitly. And whether it relates to family councils or board of directors or shareholder agreements, yada, yada, that's still not part of our modus of operandi. 
20 years ago, theory was saying it's rare for a family business to make it to the third generation. Is that still the case today? Again, I think the data is flawed. It's too much of a generalization itself. You look at family business itself dating back to the dawn of creation, and you have to look at it not only from a Western perspective. You've, don't forget about that emerging world where over half of businesses are family businesses. Whether you're in the classroom or you have a research firm or you're, you know, you're running your own family business, I think you have to get the data right. And it's, remember, families outside of the U.S. and Europe might not be registered. They might not file a tax, you know. But what happens when you have a family where you've got hundreds of family members? How do you juxtapose last names? It's really, really difficult. This is a data analytics side. But let me go into practice. What about that New York family, which has been in the restaurant business for three years? And one of the kids comes to the hotel school at BU. The other kid goes to the hotel school in Cornell. And then they decide that to go off on their own and start their own brand as Generation 4. In my definition, they're still in the family business and they're Gen 4 plus. You said earlier that juxtaposing last names could be difficult. How would a family business react to bringing in outsiders in C-level positions? Every day, somebody wants me to give them a three-word generalization. It doesn't exist. Get to know that family. Who is at the table as we look at family, family business, and ownership? Let me focus at the ownership level, and as we you know, bifurcate that between internal family members, whether they're by blood or they've married in, or external members of senior management. Let's juxtapose board of directors, heads of different committees, heads of HR who might have been with a business just hired yesterday in this great resignation that's happened many times in history or have been there in 20 years. You really have to set your own, hopefully, policy objectivity on hiring the best individual for that position, training them and hopefully retaining them for a long time. That said, if the people who call the shots don't want diversification, it is what it is sometimes. So I like your comment about policy. Let's bring that one level deeper. What advice would you have for parents who are thinking of bringing their children into the family business fold or children who aren't quite sure what they want to do post-graduation? Keep it simple. Life is short. What a wonderful opportunity we have in this new world of ours of your parents, your uncle, your aunt. Spend time with your kids, with your nephews and nieces. Transparency. Don't be afraid as a parent or with your partner to take your kids to work. Talk to them. Be sensitive to their cues as they pick up different pieces of your business that they're interested in. I'll give you an example. My 14-year-old niece, she was nine years old. She asked me, Uncle Pat, I don't see you a lot. You're always on a plane. What do you do? I wanted to keep it simple. What did I do? I said, I help families manage their money. Her immediate answer, God bless her, that sounds boring. (laughs) Still be attentive to those cues. Don't put pressure. Be involved during summer holidays. Spend a little time with all the members of the families. Maybe they want to come in for a day for a summer internship. And remember, kids' interests evolve over life. Always leave the door open. And also as your kids are approaching senior year of college, support them as they might be very systematically have other aspirations, which graduate school or which PhD program or which multinational other family business they want to learn from, and then they'll determine their re-entry point if it's still valid 
back into your family business. Patrick, thank you very much. Greg, thank you. Patrick Abushalash, lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business, where he teaches family business. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Support for the language of business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We're available wherever you get podcasts or ask Alexa. Social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Oswee Media. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio production, editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.